What if every experience, every hardship, every obstacle was given to you, not to break you, but to mold you and strengthen you? What if the center of your suffering was actually the key to ultimate health? And what if your own pain was meant to be the catalyst for your greatest purpose? Welcome to Buddha Belly Life, empowering purpose, mind to microbiome. Hello, and welcome to the Buddha Belly Life podcast. I'm Coach Britt, and today I am joined by Rebecca Weller. Uh, she's a health coach and author of A Happier Hour, Up All Day, and the newly released book, Chameleon. She is known especially for her signature program and brand, Sexy Sobriety. So welcome, Bex. Thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So, this is really exciting, you guys, and I think that this is a great time of year to be, not that we're just going to spend the whole four episodes talking about alcohol, but I think that drinking is something that needs to be talked about, especially in the coaching community. I know as a lot of us coaches can relate, it's probably like the kryptonite of most of our clients. You take away anything but their alcohol and they're okay, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So Bex, first, I so I have your book. Uh, a happier hour. It's amazing. Um, I'll tell you some stories about that later, about how I got connected to that. Um, but tell tell everybody a little bit about your story, how you ended up here, why, um, you know, with the alcohol piece and how you ended up in health coaching. Yeah. So I was quite a shy girl. <laughs> and so when I discovered in, in my teen years that alcohol could transform me into this confident, outgoing woman that I thought I wanted to be, um, I fell in love with that. And, you know, my relationship with alcohol, even from the beginning, it wasn't the healthiest. Like I really would, uh, once I started, I didn't want to stop. And so I would really find myself binge drinking. So even at teenage parties, and then throughout my 20s when I was traveling. And, you know, this continued into my 30s as well. I seemed to find friends who also wanted to binge drink with me, which we can be very adept at doing when we when we enjoy a certain thing, is finding others who normalize it. And also finding uh, careers that had a lot of money for functions. There were a lot of things happening um, for team buildings and things that all involved a lot of drinking. And, you know, for 20 years, I kept trying to moderate. I kept trying to set rules around my drinking, like I would only drink uh, every other day or I would only drink on Fridays or I would only drink water in between each drink. And all of these rules, you know, sometimes they worked and sometimes they didn't. And when they did work, I thought, great, I've got this under control. I'm sort of drinking like a normal person. And when they didn't work, I would find myself drinking that one or probably five too many and not remembering the trip home. And I'd spend so many mornings just in this downward spiral of anxiety and shame and nausea. I'd argue with my love. I'd feel cranky and frustrated that I couldn't drink like normal people. And then I'd just sob. I'd have these heartbreaking tears of sadness for getting myself stuck in this mess. 
in 2014, I was six months into my new career as a health coach. I had become um, intrigued by a vegan lifestyle and I had left the um, my corporate career of 20 years to embark on this new adventure of like, I want to be a health coach. And just like you were saying, Britt, about, you know, we can take away everything else and we feel fine. And so I was changing my food and I was changing and doing all of these self-love exercises, but I still had this little binge drinking issue that I couldn't seem to shake. And I felt sick with fear at what it would mean if I had to give up alcohol completely because I was afraid that I would never fit in again, that I would never have or be fun ever again. And this terrified me. But, you know, in 2014, six months, you know, as I say, into into being a health coach, one day I sat down and I was in a Skype session with one of my beautiful clients and I looked into the video into her eyes and she said, you know, sometimes when I feel lonely, I drink more. And I said, well, that's okay. And I just, as soon as I said it, I felt horrified because I thought, it's not okay. It's not okay to hide in in any addictive um, habit or substance to hide what's going on with us. Like we need to feel these emotions. And that was, you know, one big, big turning point where I started to feel like, hang on a second, this, my life is not reconciling. <laughs> I, I say that I want to be a health coach, that I want to do all these things. And I find that that path of life so attractive. And yet I'm still having this foot in my old life where I'm like, but I'm the life of the party and I'm a big drinker and I'm always first at the bar. And who would I be if I wasn't that person anymore? I was also in a new relationship just to add to the, uh, <laughs> add to the pressure. And my love was not happy with my drinking at all. And this was a real conflict as well because he just, he didn't see what the big attraction was with alcohol drinking, which, you know, it's a miracle that we ended up together in the yeah. first place. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this, seeing my behavior through his eyes as well, like I started to see, okay, this, this is not normal. Just because I've surrounded myself with other people who do, like to do this as well doesn't mean that it's kind of the normal or the thing that I want to do. And I was on the precipice of turning 40. And I was like, I don't want to go into a new decade like this. Like I want to, to really sort this out. I didn't want to feel so stupid, um, of having something so silly holding me back. I didn't want to feel upset if I couldn't have a drink on Friday nights. I didn't want to keep falling into the binge drinking trap. I was sick of the anxieties, the shame, the horrific hangovers that were slowing me down and keeping me from rocking my passions. I really wanted freedom. I wanted to feel playful, you know, with confidence that was authentically me, not poured from a bottle. I wanted deeper connections, less anxiety, more space, more love, more potential. I really wanted a big transformation. And so I discovered these sobriety blogs that led me down the rabbit hole of reading sobriety books and all this information that, that inspired me and made me think, what if I approached my sobriety as an experiment, the same way that I had approached when I went gluten-free, when I went dairy-free, when I started um, seeing how I could bring down my sugar levels, you know, all of this rather than scaring myself and saying, 
that's it forever. You're never going to have a, a croissant again. <laughs> Instead, I was like, let me just experiment with this and see if I feel better. And if I feel better, maybe I'll want to keep going. And so I did the same with sobriety. I was like, let me just try a three-month experiment and let me see do I feel better? Like, is this something that makes my life better? I didn't see how it could because I'd never experienced anything like it or knew anyone who had, but I was curious. And through doing this experiment, you know, I not only discovered all of this potential and this transformation that I was really hoping for, but I discovered who I really am. And I became so inspired by this that I wanted to share my journey with other women so that they could experience it for themselves. I wanted to spread the word like, seriously, it can, life can be better without alcohol. I know I didn't believe it either, but it's true. And this inspired me to create Sexy Sobriety in late 2014. And ever since, I've been supporting and helping uh, thousands of women from around the world to uh, conduct their own experiments and find out what I did. Amazing. I, <laughs> so I, so, and I'm familiar with your story. So I can, I can relate. And you probably have a combination of people. I, I would assume at least three types of people. One are the people that, may or may not have an issue with alcohol, but they're not ready to even face it. So they feel, un well, they feel, they feel bad for you. Like they're like, oh, is my drinking going to bother you? <laughs> like they feel weird. Um, then you have the people who are like, Ugh, like you're trying to steal their puppy or something, right? Like just <laughs> yes. because you don't drink, they're like, you're out to take my puppy, <laughs> you know? And you're like, hey, like, can I just, especially if you're an empath, if you are at all an empath and there's yes. a chance you might be because you're a health coach, um, you pick up on that and you're like, oh no, let me make you feel better about my sobriety. <laughs> exactly. Oh <laughs> and, my then, and then thirdly, you have the people who are like, oh my gosh, you're speaking my language. And it, and maybe they're even the people who are like, you know, I haven't had a really great place to talk about this. Mm -hmm. um, how many of us, so I was a binge drinker. I was never a frequent drinker. I was a, a um, anxiety suffering child. And it was in my teens that I discovered um, in the pits of pretty much a nervous breakdown where I was just being bombarded with a, a combination of anxiety and depression that I'd never experienced. I mean, so severe. It was a full nervous breakdown. And I went out, I went somewhere with some friends for something. They talked me out of the house and this was already so hard for me. And we went to a house and, and someone handed me a beer and I drank it and it lifted something off me in that moment that I had didn't even know how I was ever going to get through. I mean, it was so bad. And so that started quite um, an association for me personally with anxiety. So I'm a very social person, but I get really overstimulated in crowded situations. If I feel boxed in, I mean, there's lots of people and whatever. Um, and alcohol was the thing. So if I was going to a concert or I was going somewhere or, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I was depressed and everything. That's what we did on the weekends. We didn't have anything to do. We looked for the house that had the party. We looked for the older friends. We had the older guy friends that could buy us alcohol, that could do something. We drank and there's no point in a drink when I started drinking, you know, we were underage drinking and we were going, we're going for gold tonight. You know what I mean? And then you experience like the blackout moments and the poor decision making, even before maybe you're old enough to experience a hangover. And the aftermath of this stuff, I feel like it carries on into adulthood. And, and I've always been somebody who is pretty health conscious. Um, 
And it never helped my anxiety or depression. In the long run, it exacerbated it. It made it much worse. Um, so I've never been a frequent drinker. Um, but when I would, I could, I could have a drink maybe um, once a month or once every other month because I, was, I had like partners that didn't really drink much, which was probably a blessing. But once it would hit your lips, I, I could never be somebody who could have just one or even two most of the time. You know, you go for that. You have to go for that feeling or that place. And once you hit that feeling, I call it a vacation in a bottle where you're just like, ah, like this is my one place. I don't ever want to leave this place. Like keep it coming, keep it coming, you know? And so I relate so much because I've had multiple times of putting it away. And for the better part of two years, uh, my partner and I haven't drank because my, you know, after some divorce and stuff. I'm remarried. And my husband now is the same spirit animal as me. He, I, I, I had always had an opposite on the other side of me. And then I had somebody who was the same as me and we were like, oh crap, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> and we would, we would just have the funnest time together. And then we would just die after that. And a hair of the dog turns into three days of alcohol tapering off just to live through the one, the one choice. So I am the person who gets what you're talking about and feels really stoked to be able to connect on that level. <laughs> right. And I love how you put it there about taking away the puppy. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's what it you're is. You're so right. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And just the, and the, 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 those blackouts, I think were the most horrifying for me because it's that horror of not knowing and, and having seeing, like I used to hide from certain friends and stuff because I didn't want to see them because I was like, what did I do? I don't remember you know, even getting home or did they take me home? I don't remember. And so I would just be so scared of what they would tell me that I had said or done that I would avoid them. And so, you know, there's a lot of hiding in in drinking as well. You know, there's hiding from ourselves and denial, but there's also a lot of hiding from other people and not being honest in our relationships. Do you have a desire for fulfillment? Does helping people tap into their own health mentally, emotionally, and physically fire you up? Do you believe in the impact of the gut microbiome on overall wellness? You may be an HWCA coach. For more info on our cutting edge health coach trainings, visit hwcacoach.com. Here's one thing. Here's the thing that I've noticed is I, do you feel like, I don't know how I think about this. Do you think that there's a double standard from men to women when it comes to over drinking and being drunk. Yes. You feel like there's a double standard. Yes. Because I feel like I watch some, you know, I watch men at times um, in certain environments and stuff. And I do a lot in the business world, entrepreneurial world. And, um, you know, people are really successful and doing a lot of things, social events and whatnot. And I can watch, I feel like the men can get just schnockered and they're not judged but if a, as like they would judge a woman. Yes. Like if I were to look like that in my work environments, even if we have a similar work environment, I would be mortified. I would be, I would feel shame and it would be rightfully so because people would be very hard on me because of that. <laughs> Yes, definitely. You know, my, my love was just talking about, because we've got a wedding to go to and we were talking about like a couple of um, female friends who were coming and they felt sort of nervous about coming by themselves because they don't have uh, a partner at the moment. And Dom said, you know, it's such a, there's such a different standard there as well of like, if a guy goes to a, to a wedding 
uh, stag or single, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to run amok. Which of the bridesmaids are you going to hook up with? La, la, la. If a woman goes, it's like, oh, dear, couldn't you get a date? That's really sad. <laughs> you know, and it's just such this double standard. It's the same with drinking. I think uh, often we... Um, as a society will think, you know, it's definitely this, this culture that we're in where there's um, victim blaming as well, where it's like, oh, the woman has put herself into a um, um, a scary situation. You know, she's she's made herself vulnerable. And I think that's what it's underneath a lot of the judgment when we see drunk women. But it's definitely this sort of like acceptance of the lad culture and, and looking down upon women who are doing the same thing. And, you know, this is when I was in the corporate world, it was one of the things that the, us, us as women, we, we thought we were being more respected by drinking as much as the guys did. And that was definitely a, like a driving force of like, yeah, we can drink, drink for drink. Like, watch me do it, even though I'm half your size. And, you know, and, and when I look back now, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I talk in, in actually my most recent book, Chameleon, I talked about one time where I, went out on Friday night with work friends and I didn't remember getting home or the the rest of the night. And so I had one of those weekends where all weekend long, you're just in turmoil of like, I don't want to think about what I might've done or didn't do. And I don't want to go to work on Monday. And I was just in this state of heightened anxiety where I couldn't stand myself. I couldn't stand the thoughts in my own head. I couldn't stand the thought of like what I'm going to do when I go in on Monday. And you know, my stomach was lurching on the training on, on Monday morning and I walked in and, you know, half a dozen of my colleagues stood up and just did this slow clap oh. like this and I was just mortified, absolutely mortified. I didn't know whether to pee my pants or or cry or throw up or pass out. You know, I was just like <laughs> my body was hot and cold and just so confused and it was just a, such a, a horrible moment where I'm like, would they have done that to a, to another guy colleague? Probably, but it would have been more in the way of like, you know, uh, uh, joking of like, yeah, well done, mate. Jasmine. You really, yeah, you really sort of yeah. took it to a new level. But when it was a woman, like I, and especially because I always worked in male dominated industries and this was in um, Swiss banking at the time. And so, you know, to there as well, like I just felt like, oh my God, <laughs> I didn't want to be like singled out for, for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you've worked so hard to be taken seriously. Exactly. You're like, great. Someone probably saw my butt. And, <laughs> and I don't know why they're clapping oh at me. <laughs> why the slow clap to this day? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to get an email after this yeah. podcast. You're going to be like, well, I feel like enough time has passed back. <laughs> this is why we were slow. This we saw is your butt. Why. <laughs> yeah. That's about time you knew. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that you talk about all the rules that we give ourselves like I love that you talk, we're like okay okay this is this is going to be different um like here's a few here's a few of my favorite it's it's tequila it's tequila if I have tequila no it's dark yes. liquor if I drink only beer it's gonna be fine um red wine not if it's white wine it can yes. be white I can't mix anything if I mix anything I'm like you know, beer before liquor, liquor before beer. It's the order we do it. It's how much order. I didn't eat all day. Like all these things are factors, but the 
real truth it's like you got wasted you just got really drunk oh my gosh yes and for me it was always like wine and champagne because they were my favorites and because they're so strong I was like you know as long as I drink sort of uh, uh, vodka and soda water that'll be fine like I'll be absolutely fine but then I'd go to a function that only had wine or champagne so I'd be like oh well tomorrow I'll do just just you know (laughs) just the vodkas (laughs) Yes, yes, <laughs> totally. And and so when you see, and I think it's good to be able to laugh about things now um, where, where it gets destructive. And I think I can kind of remember being there. And I know a lot of people who I see are there too, that um, we find a way to kind of like minimize it a week or so later. It's like once the hangover wears off and we're not, we don't feel physically like crap and our brain isn't as foggy and we're not as depressed and all this stuff, we've kind of got our energy back a little bit. We can get an intentional amnesia of just how bad it was so that we just repeat the process, right? Mm -hmm. And it's nice to be on the end of something when you're past something. Like I say the better part of two years because my husband and I had had a moment, you know, early in the summer and stuff where we were, we had, it had been so long. And I think this is what a lot of people do. It had been so long. Um, you know, you can have a glass of champagne at this really special event um, or two and you're fine. And maybe you are fine that time. And maybe you're fine another time. And then, then you have a third night that you're not fine and you didn't mean to drink that much. And, you know, we have a lot of kids and stuff. So for us, it's like, you know, we don't want to do it around them. And there's obviously, you know, holds us back from everything in life, our businesses, our children, our, our health, or each other. Um, and it just is this roller coaster. But when you actually put it away and you start moving past anything, you can look back on it. It's, it's the only thing for me that has ever freed the shame and the guilt. Yes. Is when you really fully heal from something. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you agree with I that. I totally agree. Yes. Gosh, yes. I just kept being stuck in this cycle of going round and round and round again and not knowing how to get out of it. And, you know, when I first came across these blogs and books that talked about life is better sober, I was like, but how? Like, how, how would that even be possible? And so, I, you know, I, th- I think it's one of those things where, often you you can't believe it until you experience it for yourself and you start to say like, oh, wow, this is so peaceful. I wake up on the weekends. I never have to worry about what I did. I never have to check my check if I wrote anything stupid on Facebook. I never have to. Oh, <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> text, you go through your text, but you have a checklist in the morning. Exactly. You're like, who did I text? What did I post? Like my teenage years, we didn't have internet on. A, we didn't have a phone with internet on it. We didn't have to worry about yes. capturing the moments oh that you can gosh. now. <laughs> that's right. Like checking your phone for evidence, right? Or, you know, calling friends to say to apologize and you know none of that life's so peaceful without that and so much um heart space and head space just opens up when you're not stuck in this cycle of guilt and shame and remorse and regret you know suddenly you are able to look forward more instead of constantly looking back and you know I look forward short term to like what's the next party that sort of thing when's the next event that, that we can get carried away but you then open up this space to look further ahead with like, what do I want for my life? Like, what could my life look like? Suddenly there's all this energy that's that's available to you um, that you weren't sort of throwing back into that same cycle. And I love that, that ability to break free and to move to a new level. Thank you 
for joining us for another empowering episode of Buddha Belly Life. For more information on gut health and mindset resources, visit BuddhaBellyLife.com. And remember, heal yourself and then empower others to do the same. <laughs>